You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey guys, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here, and today in the guest chair, I have Angelina Darasol. Angelina is the founder and CEO of C-Suite Coach, a coaching and professional development firm that empowers individuals to reach their full potential through career advancement. C-Suite Coach supports a range of clients from small business leaders and nonprofit organizations to Fortune 500 companies, providing industry-leading coaching and training experience that develop talent while fostering diversity, equity, and inclusion. C-Suite Coach has partnered with companies like Google, Salesforce, Wayfair, Major League Baseball, and many others to offer their curated, innovative solutions for each partner organization. Prior to launching C-Suite Coach, Angelina was a seasoned professional in the media industry, supporting business strategy and marketing for ESPN and Viacom. And in today's episode, Angelina shares how her own experience with an executive coach gave her the confidence to explore her business idea. She also shares how she went from working full-time and coaching on the side to now owning a million-dollar company with a network of coaches. And she's going to share how she made connections at large companies when she was just getting started, plus the growing pains and the lessons that she has learned as a business owner so far, and so much more. So let's get right into it. All right, all right, here we go. Um, You guys might not know this, but Angelina and I have tried to do this more than once. So third time, (laughs) maybe fourth time is the charm. Um, So thank you, first of all, Angelina, for um, being so flexible and patient. I think that's a testament to who you are. And welcome back to the guest chair. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here because this is the second time I've had an opportunity to chat with you. And the conversation we had last time was amazing for my business. I actually met people from your podcast that applied to work with me and now currently work with me. So great, great experience. Love it. Love it. I'm so glad it it, it like worked out. And, you know, again, just a testament to who you are. So for those who don't know, tell us a little bit more in your words, what you do and what the C-suite coach provides. Yeah, thank you. So we just celebrated seven years in business, which for me feels... Congrats. Thank you. Very, very surreal because I remember when I was first getting started and had a lot of concerns about how we would scale and grow. Uh, And we have grown. One of the things we've had to do is just continue to pivot. When I first started year one, there was a lot of focus on what's called a B2C model. So business to consumer, where consumers were primarily how we were monetizing, meaning we were selling individual coaching engagements, doing things like resume reviews, uh, LinkedIn profiles. And that was pretty much part of the start. I had an app idea that I couldn't get funding for. And I had to pivot because I had quit my job, my full-time job, and decided to go all in. And so our services have evolved. We're now 
primarily a B2B company, so business to business. We work primarily with large organizations, and uh, they are our clients, although our end users, the people using our services, tend to be employees or small businesses that those large organizations support. So we serve the general consumer, but they are not our paying customer. Our three Mm, services right now, we offer one-to-one coaching. So that is something that you can take a part of. We encourage folks to get their employers to pay for it. We try to do group coaching programs with large organizations. We also do a lot of operational support and program management services for leadership and diversity programs. And then we also do a lot of leadership training and development. So running off-sites, team retreats, all of that fun stuff to help grow the potential and maximize the potential of employees and small businesses who are looking to grow their businesses and grow their their leadership skills. So a whole umbrella of services, a holistic approach. I love this. You have grown so much. I'm so proud of you. And I love what you do, mainly because I have myself seen it in corporate where a lot of people just get promoted based on time with the company, based on other people quitting, (laughs) based on need, and they don't get any training in how to be a manager, how to continue to grow and develop their career. A lot of it is left to chance. And we can't do that if we really, truly want to have a successful career. So what was your experience like? coming up in corporate, you know, how did you go about ascending the corporate ladder? Through exactly the same services we offer today, which is why I'm so bullish about the need for coaching, why I think every employer should be offering this to their talent, particularly talent from historically underrepresented backgrounds. Um, I was very fortunate to be a part of leadership development programs early. I wouldn't even say in my career, I would say in my life. Uh, my mother is, she's got a really interesting story. She's now a PhD and a superintendent. But when I was growing up, we were growing up together because my mom was a teenage mom and she wanted to make sure that I had more resources and opportunities available to me than she did and other people in my family did. So we applied for every program. I was doing yes, internships. I know that's right. As, yep. Ooh, internships as early as 14 um, yes. and corporate experiences, visiting companies, shadowing people in high school. And so I realized that when I got into corporate um, with my early internships, I knew how to play the game. I knew how to network. I knew how to send thank you cards. I knew how to do all of that fun stuff. And um, that really was helpful because it set me on a path of knowing how to navigate the space that truly Mm -hmm. was not meant for me. Right. And yeah, when I got into corporate, I found myself getting promoted pretty quickly. And every position I was in, I would get promoted about 11 months in a year. And in the media industry, that was rare. So I tried to say, (laughs) very rare. So I tried to think what made that happen for me, this person that I didn't have people in my family from a corporate background, really brilliant, amazing people, but not from a corporate background at all. And I was learning on my own how to navigate these things. And I said, what did it for me? And it was access to coaching. It was access to really curated, well-done leadership development programs that helped me understand how to work these spaces. 
So how did you get your coaching? Like what um, was it through the internships that you were a part of? Like, how did you even have access to that? Yeah, so a combination. Uh, and some of the programs that I was a part of, and I can drop the names of so many different ones. I was yeah. uh, a student in Prep for Prep. So that is a relationship that started early. I think Prep for Prep starts people in fifth and sixth grade, and they put you in yep. training for your pretty much the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was in a nonprofit called Prep for Prep. I, did I know quite all, a few Prep for Prep folks. <laughs> yeah, I did summer internship programs every summer. I geeked out on career services programming in my college. I got a master's uh, in business right after college also, and they had a lot of career development services. So some of those programs and resources included dedicated mentorship and sometimes coaching the way I use that term now. My first mm. real experience with my uh, with executive coaching was for my 25th birthday. I was having, what do they call it? A quarter life crisis. <laughs> um, and <laughs> Had one of those, been there. <laughs> what am I going to do with my life? Things are going well, but not well enough. Or, you know, right. I'm not sure Mind the direction. You, you're I still take... so young. You're still so, so young. young. You feel like, oh my God, everything's going wrong. <laughs> right. Dramatic. Um, but you don't know because you're young and it is a big deal at that time, right? And so I remember um, just I would sit on the phone and cry to my mom about what, what should my future look like? What am I building? What am I designing? And my birthday was coming up and I just knew, you know, she's going to give me a, <laughs> some nice shoes, a bag, yep. like an expensive <laughs> trip. And she didn't. She got me an executive coach that she had met wow. through one of her leadership development programs. And mm -hmm. she bought me a series of sessions. And that was such a game changing experience for me. One, because I was like, I saw what my coach was doing. I was like, wait, this is low key what I want to do. Exactly. Like wow. I was so excited by the experience. Two, because I saw the transformation in myself session after session. And that really got me excited uh, about, you know, how do I goal set differently? How do I plan differently? How do I change the things that I thought I wanted and, and create a new map, a new roadmap for myself that's based on what I really want, not what I think right. I should be doing. Uh, so that was my first experience. It was a gift from my mom and my coach and I, for the last 10 years, 10, yeah, it's been a decade plus, wow. uh, we've been working together in every season of growth. So when I went from that age and stage where I was working in corporate, I needed yeah. her to help me better navigate wow. that, to help me with self-awareness. When I what was planning... A gift, a gift. A yeah, gift. what a gift. Like, that's what I, yeah, what, uh, you, we talk about legacy building a lot and the, the, the conversation immediately shifts to money. That's what comes to mind. But what a gift for your mom to think of that. Like, you know, I see where my daughter is going and I know where she could be going. I want her to continue to make the right moves. Let me invest in a coach. Like I have never had an executive coach while working in corporate America. Like I didn't even know yeah. that was something I could have. So you are doing amazing work. Just letting people know that this exists. You can have this. You can get guidance as early as needed. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're here because you're saying you yeah. didn't know that existed when you were in corporate America. I, and now that's yeah. something that we're trying when to I was, make. Especially when I was in my 20s, um, you know, I would think that was for what you do now, the C-suite. I would... I, I definitely didn't know it existed, but definitely not for anyone younger than, I don't know, 50, 60. <laughs> yeah. And what coaching has meant has changed when it really became a big thing in corporate America. A lot of times it was mm-hmm. about correcting problem talent. Yes, and now it's really yes. seen as an investment in key talent, right? So that's mm-hmm. really changed. Uh, I also think when we think, to your point, when we think about building uh, our communities and generational wealth and all of these themes, we often only think about financial growth. But also, when I think about a world where there's equity, I think about yeah. Black, Latino, and other underrepresented groups having the same access to feel like we have agency to have careers we want, not just careers to feed our families. And because of how many of us came up, that was something that I was stuck in, right? Like I didn't grow up Mm -hmm. wealthy. I didn't grow up with a lot of financial resources. So it was like, how do I pay off these student loans? How do I get out of debt? I just have to have a job no matter how they treat me at work, no matter what I'm going through. Them I have touching to go after my that hair. check, that biggest check. I got to go after that check so I can hopefully be able to contribute to my family and create resources. And I really do think that that definition is shifting and we're realizing that true uh, equity is more than, it, it, it includes all of those things, but we should be able to have right. jobs that we care about, that we actually want to do. We should have agency to walk away from jobs that don't treat us well. And I do believe working on ourselves, increasing uh, that realization that we deserve that agency has really been a game changer also. Yes. Oh, you're giving me chills. You know why? Because I'm realizing that there's there's been a shift to entrepreneurship, right? And we love that around here, right? We're side hustlers. But at the same time, how many of us would be more excited about corporate and our jobs if we felt like there was a space for us if we felt that the system allowed us to truly be successful and we weren't working against so many obstacles trying to fit into this system that wasn't built for us and I hope that through this conversation um, people are able to get the resources they need to do that to thrive and to like you said have agency so Mm -hmm. I want to understand a little bit about your journey out of corporate though so you know what made you decide to start doing this consulting um, rather than stay in corporate yourself because you were on the move. You could have gone up, 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 you know? So what was that like? And it's so funny. Sometimes I imagine the alternate universe if I would have kept going (laughs) up, up, up. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. It's, it's really interesting because there's so many articles that have come out in the last couple of years about Black women stepping away, the growth in Black women entrepreneurship, and so much of it is driven by feeling like we're living and leading double lives. And I think mm-hmm. although I was really affirmed by my coworkers, I was always told that I was doing well, there were yes. still so many aspects of that gymnastics that you were just discussing, right? Where half Mm -hmm. of the work is you doing the work and having to do the work well. But then the other half of the work is you having to 
wear this mask or unintentionally cover parts of yourself that just don't feel celebrated, included Mm -hmm. in your day to day. And I found myself doing that constantly. Um, So I think that was one aspect of it. The other is and maybe a, a lot of uh, us feel like this when we come from a really different background and we then get exposed to a new world through our corporate careers. I grew up really differently than I live now, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, again, I had this background where I come from four generations of teenage mothers, amazing women. I always have to say, Mm -hmm. you know, that Chimamanda quote, there's more than one side of a story. And I don't want to in any way define the women in my family by just that single narrative because they are incredible. And um, that was also just the times were different, right? Um, But Mm -hmm. what happens is, there often aren't a lot of resources that come with that. And I felt that in my life, so many resources have been poured into me. People in my family hustled and struggled to really give me access to so much. And I also got to see such such a juxtaposition of the neighborhood I grew up in to this elite Upper East Side area where I went to private school. And I felt that maybe it's a calling, maybe it's an assignment, but I always felt that I was exposed to this for a greater purpose. I was exposed to this to help bridge uh, that divide, to help make equity a reality for more people that look like me in whatever way um, that was. And so in some ways, sitting behind a desk, um, building another man's company just didn't feel like doing enough with everything um, for me that I had been exposed to and the unique gifts that I thought had had really been developed through all of my family's hard work and hustle. Uh, And I wanted to take a stab at building something of my own that could create better lives for a lot of the people around me. So how did you start building it out? What were some of the first mm-hmm. steps that you took? Okay, so my executive coach, that was number one um, in that experience. So I think when my mom first uh, hired my coach for me, it was about uh, making sure that I became more self-aware and I was getting the skills and the resources needed to develop in the role that I was in. But what ended up happening is as I became more self-aware, I realized that I was not in alignment in a lot of ways. And I also started to really build my confidence. I knew that I wanted, I I had an idea. I actually had started a blog a couple years before I got the coach. I'll call her, her name is Robin. So before I got my coach, Robin, and I had started a blog where I talked about, it was called the C-Suite Swag. So the, okay. the predecessor of C-Suite Coach, where I talked about themes around what do you need to, to grow in your career? What's the music you should be listening to? What are the clothes you're wearing? And what are just business principles you should be keeping in mind to grow in your career? And I realized I had ideas for a business but I never felt confident enough to do it. And working with my coach gave me a lot of 
a lot of resources to develop my own confidence and really fortify myself Mm. and who I was. So that really was the first thing. And then once I had that, then our sessions became much more tactical. Well, how do I plan to get out of here? I want to do this, (laughs) but right now it feels so unrealistic. So how do I plan my path? And we started doing things like, well, why don't you think about how much money it takes to to live the life that makes you feel comfortable? I started getting really good at budgeting. I made a goal of paying off my student loans. So I was, I lived very humbly as I aggressively Mm -hmm. paid off my loans. I did spreadsheets where I understood down to the scent of how much it costs for me to live on a monthly basis. And then I really started fleshing out my ideas. I started going to Brooklyn Public Library business classes where I learned more of elements of what it actually took to build a business. I went to classes by Wix, a whole bunch of just free trainings that were available and started to build a business plan for my business. So once you did that, when did you start taking on clients? How did you go about that process? I started taking on clients while I was working full time and it was a mishmash. It was some in some ways <laughs> relevant to what I'm doing now and in some ways mm-hmm. completely different. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my first paying client was Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee. They hired me to do a etiquette dinner uh, with a black mm-hmm. chef who was local for college students. And okay. it wasn't and it was a revised etiquette dinner. So it wasn't etiquette like this is how you eat your food, but it was more like, what are topics you could be discussing? What are the, what, when you have an opportunity to have lunch with someone or a dinner with someone who could be a game changer in your career, how do you use that moment? And it was really exciting. I was so, I couldn't believe that somebody paid my hotel and gave me money (laughs) to go, to go speak, to go speak with people about their careers. So that was, um, I was working full time. And when I started to get those early clients, I would just use my vacation days to do it. Mm -hmm. Also, while working full time, we had something called tuition reimbursement. So if you do have any sort of full time job with benefits, I always recommend really look at every benefit you have. Uh, We had $10,000 and all you had to do is write an email with a business case of how this related to your job and you could get courses. So coaching certificate at NYU costs about $10,000. And I wrote an email to my boss at the time and said, in a man, I was a senior manager. So I was like in a management position, I really want to work on being a coaching leader. Can I take the certificate course? And she approved it and I was able to get my certificate. So then now I had a skill that could help me grow more clients. Uh, And when you're taking a certificate course, you're getting coaching hours. So I was coaching folks one-on-one as well. And that also helped me understand more about that side of the business and what I wanted to do. So those were some of the early steps. Ooh, so many gems dropped there. Number one, yes, looking at those benefits. How can my actual job, aka my investor, right? Because they're supporting right, your you. They're, they're your initial investor in your business. Um, you know, what are all the ways that they invest in me? But another thing that you touched on that I love is also the confidence piece. So many of us struggle with this. And I don't think everyone realizes that you struggle with this. You're, you're like, I'm a confident person. I'm not insecure. And 
you can be confident in so many ways and not realize that the one thing holding you back from starting your business, starting your side hustle mm-hmm. is confidence because you don't believe yeah. you're qualified yet to do something. You're waiting for this moment where you'll feel good enough, qualified enough to do this. You'll see other people do it and you'll say, mm-hmm. oh, they must they must know this or they must know that or they must have experience in that. And oftentimes it's not the case. Um, you reminded me like, one of the key reasons I went back to business school, it sounds silly, right? But, and in that moment, I didn't even realize that's what was happening. But business school, one of the key takeaways for me was confidence. I don't like to share that because it's not, again, it sounds like, wait, you spent all, you, you know, you went through that for confidence. But when you're so intimidated by business, when you feel like you're not a numbers person, which is a narrative a lot of people tell women, going And being in that room, Michelle Obama talks about this too, and realizing that these people ain't smarter than me, (laughs) it does so much for you. So having your coach give you and remind you that you have this skill, you just need the confidence to go out and do this is a key moment. And then you starting to take these actions. Now, what were some of the things you learned as you were doing this? to help you structure your business because we've seen the evolution. One of the things you've done, you've transitioned in many ways throughout the years and you just talked about starting with business etiquette sessions and now you do so much more than that. So as you were starting out, were you also honing and fine-tuning what you wanted to offer? Yeah, so whew, you just hit on so much. One, so I have much. To echo, so much, yeah, so take, much. And I'm yeah, like over unpack here snapping. Unpack it if you need to, unpack it. <laughs> The confidence piece is huge. And I think I'm really glad you highlighted that because a lot of times, particularly as black women, we are, we look, you know what they say, black don't crack. We look younger than everyone. We are ambitious and uh, there's research that points to how our ambition is received differently than other populations. And, um, a lot of that can drive us to doubting ourselves in some circumstances. And I really had to do a lot of unlearning Mm -hmm. to see myself differently. Even as you talk about credentialing, there were so many moments where I realized I didn't carry myself like a leader because I thought I wasn't credentialed enough. For a long time, I had getting a PhD on my vision board. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I love school. I love to learn. I actually... Karen would love to do research in my field, but there's a lot more I want to accomplish. And I realized I would be taking myself out of the business and Mm -hmm. I had to even unpack what was the real reason why I wanted this. And I wanted it so people could feel like I was more qualified. And I'm like, wait, I've been doing this. No one, you know, is doing it quite like me. Why that should be enough to make me feel qualified. And I had to really embrace that. So that's number one. I want to get back to your question though, because it was a good question about structure and and things I learned. Okay. So when I first started what you want to offer and fine tuning what you want to offer. So I had a business plan it's so interesting because some of the things we're doing now were a part of that initial business plan, but it was such a wayward path in getting there. Mm-hmm. Again, I began with one-to-one clients. I completely, personally, very rarely take on one-to-one clients. Um, at this point, we have over 30 coaches that work for us, with us, uh, that serve in that capacity, and I primarily lead business development efforts. And so mm-hmm. even that ch- change 
um, was interesting. So I think every entrepreneur has a different journey. For some of us, you go in and you have a real clear focus and others of us it's trial and error and you're finding out, you know, where does the money reside? And I think that um, <laughs> that's really that's real. it. Um, I had to like, who is going to pay these bills? Uh, so it, it, it's a combination because if you just take on anything, you won't get good at the thing you're in, you're, you really yeah. want to do. Uh, but at the same time, being dynamic helps you learn a lot of different skills. Being able to pivot helps you find where that real niche is in your space. And I had to do that. Um, when I started again, there was this app idea. It was a lot of one-to-one stuff. I was doing everything. And the early on places where I would re-engage Robin was like, I want to scale. I want to grow. I'm not scaling. How do I scale me? And I realized that in order to do that, I had to create business models that will allow me to do that. And that's where I really kept going on the idea of when I started, I wanted to scale coaching. At the time, it was through an app. And I was like, okay, well, the app idea didn't work the way I wanted it to work. Are there other ways I can do it? And then I started thinking about how do I create a network of coaches? And mm-hmm. I, I'm great at business development. It's a skill. I also really understand coaching at its core, having studied it, being so immersed in it, being obsessed with it. Uh, so I built a network of coaches and began to work on doing deals to help them um, find clients. So that was something that was came along the way. How long did it take you from idea to starting that network of coaches? So I would say one of the first opportunities for that came in 2018, launched in August of 2015, had some early employees, uh, some of which were volunteers, some of which were paid very small amounts. And yeah. then 2018, I had my first fully salaried uh, employee and my first contract at a large scale where I hired other coaches. I think it was eight at okay. the time. And so I would say about two and a half years. When did you leave corporate? July 2015. So I incorporated, okay. I left July 4th. I think the right before July 4th weekend was my last day. And then I incorporated my business. So even things like that, I had to learn on the go. Like, ah, yeah. like I, and I'll have, I'll, I have things that I'm embarrassed about, but also not ashamed of because learning journey, I didn't trademark C-suite coach until yeah. last year, <laughs> which yeah. thank God it was still available. Thank but God. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Right. But things like that, I didn't know. Um, I had a couple years where I was like, I'm not making money. So I don't have to file taxes. That's a lie. <laughs> you, absolutely, <laughs> you absolutely do. It doesn't matter how many expenses you have. But these were things that I just had to learn on the go. And I also think that sometimes you're so locked in on developing your product or service that you miss things. And being right. a, a CEO really is being a chief everything officer, right? Oh, yes. You have to learn about legal stuff. I had right. I had to learn about what I needed from a legal perspective. I had to learn about what I needed from an accounting perspective to be compliant and not get arrested because I'm not <laughs> in <safe> jail. 
I had to learn. It's real. It's 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 a it's lot real. to learn. It's a lot of learnings that you no one really tells you this. I mean, you build a network of entrepreneurs and you start doing right. these things, but you miss things and you get better. Exactly. Um, and then when you're building employees, so now I have employees in different states. Now I have to learn things like and check off boxes like, did I register for the state unemployment ID in the in Texas, in California, in New York? Uh, do they have the right benefits? Am I sending them the handbooks that they need so I'm compliant? Like there's all these things that at every stage of growth of your business, there's these new learnings. Um, and so I would say you get tighter on the, sh- if you want to scale, start thinking about that structure early, yes, uh, but yes. you will always have to keep getting tighter on the business structure. There's a lot of growing pains. I'm glad you touched on that because you don't know what you don't know. And even with a network of entrepreneurs, everybody's business mm-hmm. is at a different stage. So mm-hmm. no one can just be like, here's everything you need because they don't know what your business will need. Um, mm-hmm. I liken it to motherhood. Like everyone's always like, no one told me, but that's because no one really knows what your heart is going to be. So no one can just like sit here and be like, and here and, you know, expect this in month three and that people try to, but everyone's journey is just going to be different at the end of the day. There's no one size fits all manual for business ownership. Before you left, did you have savings? Did you, how did you know you were ready to, to just go out on your own, take the security blanket off? Oh, uh, I knew I was ready mentally. And so that was one, I was hungry enough for it. I was willing to make the sacrifices for it, uh, coming from a corporate and, at the time, you know, I thought I was popping. I was killing it. I was buying <laughs> red bottoms, oh, you know, oh. going, right, going out with my friends, had the six-figure job. So I thought it was, yeah. I was doing it. And I realized that I had to make a lifestyle change in order until I could really solidify clients um, and, and build enough. So I budgeted. I knew how much I needed. I definitely saved around, I don't want to say it was around five or six months. Um, Mm -hmm. I did pay off. I tried to do whatever I could to minimize my monthly expenses. So I did pay off my student loans before I started. Thankfully, I had a lot of scholarships, but I still have quite a lot of student loans. And so I was able to pay that off before I left. Um, Also paid off all my credit cards, was really bullish about trying not to use them. Although over the course of, so again, I launched in 2015, uh, July 2015, I left corporate, August 2015, launched the business officially. I was pretty much in the red until twenty end of 2017, beginning of 2018 is when I really started to get a lot coming in. So I put a lot on credit card. I talk about this openly. Again, I didn't know about applying for funding at banks. Know right. all of that stuff now. There's so much I know now I could really teach courses. Um, If I had capacity, I don't. Um, But (laughs) I went into over $70,000 in credit card debt. um, And I had a lot of faith. I was like, that's nothing. I'm gonna be able to pay it off. And I was right. I was. I paid it all off in 2018. Um, So a blessing. Uh, But but proceed with caution, (laughs) y'all. Don't do don't do don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are also different things. You have to know where you are in your stage of life. I was young. Mm -hmm. I was single. I I was really willing to take the risk. Um, I always knew that 
you know, worst case scenario, I'll go live with a family member or something if I really needed Mm -hmm. to. I had to say no to a lot of things, a lot of important moments, no to being a bridesmaid, to close friends because I couldn't afford it, no to certain trips. Um, So I definitely made a lot of sacrifices for it. But I will say uh, the learnings in every moment led me to where I am now, where Again, after just celebrating seven years, the latest research that I saw, this is like my little um, exciting moment is for the last three years, we've been a part of what now I think the latest stat says 4.2% of women-owned businesses are at over a million in revenue. And we've been a part of that since 2019. Um, So I'm really grateful. That is amazing. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really grateful to go from being completely in the red um, three years, four years ago, three years, four, however many years ago it was, to now being an employer that provides full benefits to my staff, Um, to having monthly contractors that are excited about working with us, to having more applications come in and sometimes we have time to respond to. Um, And really just seeing that pipeline of folks that want to work with us is really, really exciting. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, And I thought I was going to give up probably a hundred (laughs) times, but thankfully I didn't. That is amazing. I'm so proud of you. Congrats, congrats. Back to how you went from uh, a team of one to this network of coaches. How did you go about hiring and training? Mm, Yes. So one of my uh, most exciting hires, I do, again, have to give you a shout out because it was (laughs) through Side Hustle Pro that she found me. Uh, So it was definitely moments like this. Uh, One thing that surprises people is I've never had a PR person. So why that surprises people is because I've actually had hundreds, several hundred press mentions since starting my business. At one point we were keeping a spreadsheet. I think Uh after around 300 mentions, we just stopped. (laughs) Um, so because that's like so that's just so amazing that it's just like after 300 you know it's getting too much it was like you guys need to calm down <laughs> stop mentioning me <laughs> no 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 no. we no, just that's, don't no, track no, no, it that's anymore. not how you meant it that is amazing okay continue <laughs> But so it was being strategic about Mm -hmm. press opportunities. And I did not, I still have not to this day had a PR person. I would love one for my company. If anyone here is listening, you know, reach out to us. Um, But we did this all without press and it was building Mm -hmm. organic relationships. It was me being, getting, talking about confidence, getting over my introversion uh, sometimes and forcing myself to go walk up to people in rooms, introduce myself, talk about my business confidently. You, When you are in that point where even you're in the red and maybe you have only one client or or maybe even not, you still have to talk about your business like you are the CEO of an 800 person company that's doing it because that's how you get on people's radar and that's how you build the relationships where they want to invest in you. And I will say, you know, journalists were also in some ways investors in me or podcasters or people that cared to give me a chance to talk about my vision. 
Um, I did a lot of career mentions. So places like recruiter.com, monster.com, Glassdoor, a lot of career places. I did a lot of speaking for conferences, universities, a rank companies, a range. And those aren't the key places I monetize. I monetize through retainer deals with Fortune 500 companies, but they're just as important to me because they help the, get the name of C-Suite Coach out there. And so they also helped me land bigger deals, getting on people's radar. So uh, when I realized, again, that I needed to scale and grow and that I wasn't scalable early on, it became thinking about what are the tasks that I really need to do for this company and what are the tasks that could be outsourced to someone else. Mm. And eventually that list of tasks that could be outsourced to someone else became so large. I was like, that's really a full job description and I needed to hire help. Uh, and then, you know, rinse and repeat that process just keeps happening where we're constantly looking at okay, when, when is our team taking on more than we have capacity for? And when do we need to, when is that list become so long that a new job description arises? And thankfully, um, through continuing to grow with clients, we're able to support that. And how did you ensure excellence from your team? When you have hired someone else to do something that someone is coming to you for because they know and trust you, how do you then move that over and make sure that the quality stays the same? Oh, okay. Excellent question, because this is really hard for a lot of founders to um, delegate. That's a consistent problem, I will say. And let me not say problem, consistent challenge, a a consistent opportunity. Uh, I'd also, this makes me think, I also would encourage anyone who is leading a business to go to therapy because so much of how you lead and so much of uh, what you believe as a leader is rooted in how you grew up or things that you've seen or your own experiences that likely need unpacking. So Mm -hmm. I will say one of the things I've learned just I've unlearned through therapy is when something isn't going well or going right, you don't quit it. You don't walk away. Um, Now, if it's truly toxic, of course, walk away. But a lot of things can be worked through. And I've had to realize that even with staff, uh, I do have a very high standard of excellence. And I can, again, I'm very ambitious. I'm very I'm very fortunate in having a lot of different skills. And sometimes the downside of that is then I want to do everything myself, but I realize that that's not sustainable or efficient Mm -hmm. and that I have to be patient enough to walk someone through. I was just saying this the other day to someone that we think sometimes a good leader is only encouraging or only someone that uh, tells you good things that you want to hear and make you feel good, but really a good leader is also going to help you grow. And sometimes growing can be uncomfortable. So it means having the difficult conversations with staff. Like, hey, you really didn't do that well. And I need you to do better. <laughs> yep, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. those are hard conversations to have, but they're necessary. And yeah. not only do they benefit you and your team and you as the leader, but it actually really benefits the people you work with because then should they move on, which they may, then they're walking away with new skills that they've developed from you. So I think it is important for leaders to make sure that we're not only 
giving the good. We have to give a lot of good feedback. We have to give a lot of praise, but we also have to give a lot of growth uh, feedback as well and a lot of areas um, to help develop our talent. And did you have to develop some kind of really robust onboarding process where you kind of walk people through how you would coach others? Did you do like sample coaching sessions? How did you train people? So our chief coaching officer right now is Marcel Fowler. She, again, found me through Side Hustle Pro, um, really Yay. was excited to bring her on this year. She does all of the vetting and development of the coaches that are a part of our network for uh, that work with our employee employers so that work with talent within organization we also have different onboarding processes for coaches that work with small business owners so we've had a number of onboarding processes and then of course i have employees that do operational things and business Mm -hmm. development and other other tasks that are just necessary for business to run so to the point of onboarding This was something that I had to really put focus on. I would say 2020, when we started to scale up, is when I actually brought in a consultant to help me with an onboarding process because I realized that that was something that was lacking. And again, if you're planning to scale, if you're planning to grow, like I would, in a perfect world, like to see my company be double the size in the next two years. And if you are planning for that scale, you have to start thinking about infrastructure early. And so I did make, I've I've made a lot of investments to um, put in those processes, even, so for example, onboarding was one, something else that we started, which wasn't initially a part of it, which I realized I needed was a development review, a review process, performance reviews. When you're, again, starting your business as one person, you're not necessarily thinking about those things, but once you start to build staff, you have to transition into running like a regular organization would run. And these are things that I've had to put time and attention to. Ooh, it's so hard. Like even you saying that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like you want to grow <laughs> and you want to scale, but then you don't want to go back into corporate in, in terms of like, you don't want it to feel like it once felt. And so how do you manage that balance of, having a company that feels more vibrant than the stiffness of all the rules and infrastructure and red tape and and stuff but then also it has to be serious and this is how people grow like through serious um processes and systems so um i could tell you're still working through it we're all still working through it but if there are any tips you can share there whether it's services that you've used for hr or onboarding templates anything really yeah well one just response to what you just said is i also think that it's important to recognize your own desire in terms of the size of business you want to lead. Mm -hmm. Some of us, just the same way we all have different paths and every path is a good path because it's your path, right? So if you want to continue working in corporate and that is the path for you, we need you there. I need I need more Black women to thrive in corporate because those are my potential clients who can advocate for me within the organization and help me structure better deals. Um, we all have different paths. If you want to be an entrepreneur, that's a great path too. But even within entrepreneurship, we don't all have to have the same scale of business. What I can tell you what I've learned is running a $100,000 business is a very different 
day to day than running a multi-million dollar business. And there are different, it can sound great, but there's different problems and different challenges that come. And so I think that again, either if you're working with a coach or you're doing some self-development work, really process for yourself, what size of business do I actually want to have? Do I want to manage people? Because now you're not just managing as you scale and grow, you're not just managing your products your services, your clients, those are relationships. You also have to manage relationships with your team. You have to create a culture. You have to create, develop employee morale. And that's a whole nother ballpark. And it's okay to say, I don't want those things. I just want to work with me and maybe one other person. That's okay too. So I think- And you um, can't completely outsource it either because what if the person you outsource to, I've seen this happen where the person you outsource to, you later learn that they're terrible. (laughs) And so now your your company culture is I learned that along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you cannot, if you think that you can just hire it out, you can't. At some stage, you you truly need to be involved and invested. Well, just in terms of resources, I am going to toot a couple that we offer. Often, we offer free skills based training through some of our programs and clients with okay. Google. Uh, one of the one of the trainings that my company helps. Uh, with their called the trainings of the Google Digital Coaches Program, free skills-based training for a variety of topics. We've also okay. done CEO trainings with Black Ambition, which is Pharrell's accelerator. We do that every quarter. Uh, we have free uh developmental trainings with coaches every month called C-Suite Coach Chats. So we have a lot of resources. And then in the chats, they're popping with resources too, where people share anyone who joins uh, different tools that they're using to help them. So I would just say, if you're looking for something free, um, Mm. that would be a great way to join uh, and learn about more resources. on being at this million multi-million phase now we have to talk about these deals with these large companies how did you start making inroads in these large companies when you were just starting out on your own relationship building is really key uh i learned that as early as being in college when i was in internships i kept in touch I would send handwritten thank you notes. I don't do that as much as I should. I was always reminding myself every time I say it to people that took time to do informational interviews with me. And so my one of my college internships was at ESPN. And that relationship, when I came back to New York after graduate school, there I didn't have a job opportunity. And people I just stayed in touch with helped me understand, one, what realistically I could make from a financial standpoint. And then to help me, they just were on it until I found a job within ESPN. And that's how I got my first job out of school. So I would say I learned that as an early principle, the same works in entrepreneurship. People um, are behind the faces of all of these Fortune 500 companies that you want to work with. And they want to they want to help you, but you have to build relationships with them, and it also understand that for bigger deals. So if I'm going to buy a T-shirt for thirty dollars, maybe I think yeah. about it for a couple hours, and then I go out and buy a T-shirt. If I am looking to make a investment with a company or build a deal with a company that's 
a hundred K or however much, even internally, the process of getting that improved could take a couple of months or a quarter or two. So it it really requires a lot of patience in the cycle. It requires a lot of follow up and follow through. Um, And sometimes, you know, you're great at it. I'm, I'm speaking about myself. I'm great at it. Sometimes there's always areas where I can see I could do this better. And then you learn from every experience and you just make a commitment to keep doing better. What's the balance now? Are people coming to you? Are companies coming to you? Are you reaching out, still pitching your services each and every year? It's a combination. It really is a combination. I'm getting a lot of introductions from clients who work with us already. Uh, I have a lot of advocates who are extremely passionate about seeing our growth. I have folks who, when they move from one company to the next, they're like, did we get a C-suite coach deal yet? How are we going to make that happen? (laughs) And so I'm grateful um, for those folks. And uh, so it really is a combination. I still go to conferences. When I meet people, I'm always sharing what I do. And sometimes there is an immediate transaction that happens after that. Sometimes it could happen two years later. And I've learned to just build the relationship and be patient with the process. So before we transition into the lightning round, I would love to know um, how you feel about the power of coaching. You know, Mm -hmm. why is this so, so important and what should people know about the power of coaching? Oh, um, what I think is most powerful about coaching is having a map for your life, for yourself, for your development that is not based on what anyone else has done, but is based on what you want to achieve and accomplish for yourself. So um, really, truly charting out your own path and having someone who is focused, trained, and uh, able to help you chart out that path as your accountability partner and as a guide with you is really powerful. And I want to make sure, you know, everyone that you remember that if you identify that you would like to learn more about Angelina and C-Suite Coaches Services, you, you, she will, they will help you to get your company to pay for it. Okay. (laughs) This is something, this is what they specialize in. So you don't have to be stressed like, oh, I want this, but can I pay for this? Like, no, no, no. Yes, absolutely. So let's jump into the lightning round. You know the deal. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. So let's start with, you know, what is a resource, like the top resource that you could think of that has really been a game changer in your business? My accountant. Get a good accountant. And as business owners too, our business finances, our personal finances, we got to figure all that out, do a good job of of building out a plan for that and being strategic. So having a good accountant is key. Alrighty. Number two, who is a black woman entrepreneur who you admire and respect the most? And, you know, you'd want to trade places with for a day. I could name a hundred, but I would say right now, Savitra Wilson. I would say Savitra because when we talk about sharing resources and truly being a light for other entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. uh, being willing, this is something just her light just shines so bright. And I'm always in awe of who she is. 
And then number three, so what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? I have to do something to move my body. Uh, Every day I walk my dog and that's part of my routine. It's thinking time for me. It makes me active. I wear my Apple watch. I don't always close my ring. Sometimes I'm really bad about it, but just (laughs) seeing sunshine, getting out of the house early in the morning, seeing sunshine is really important to me. Um, Number four, what is a personal habit that you think has contributed to you being so successful in business? Hmm. Um, Reflection, being able to reflect and making sure that in reflecting while I can uh, see areas of opportunity that I'm not being overly critical, but instead just looking for growth opportunity. How do I take what went well, run that up, do it again next time? And how do I take what didn't go well and just make sure that doesn't happen again? Mm, That is really, really key. That is a good reminder for everybody. Um, And so now your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs and side hustlers who want to be their own boss, but are scared to lose that steady paycheck or are lacking Mm. the confidence. There is so much opportunity right now. There are more resources being poured into us than ever. When you take advantage of them, um, you can, the sky is really the limit on what we can achieve. There are a lot of people who are open to sharing their mistakes. I always say, learn from my mistakes so you don't have to make them. So listen to people when they're on podcasts like Side Hustle Pro or whenever anyone you admire, um, just listen to things they say and, and take notes so that you can jump ahead and not make those same mistakes. And then I will also say, chart your own path. Um, Mm -hmm. We're in an era where it's easy to compare and look at what someone else is doing and the grass is always greener, but it's really, um, no one is going to do it like you. No one can do it like you. You can't do it like anyone else. So it's really just best to think about the path that you want for yourself because you want it, not because of what society or Instagram or anyone else is saying looks good. Uh, So really just chart your own path. If you want a multi-million dollar business, go build that. If you want an $80,000 business, it's okay to build that too. So just do what you want where you find happiness. Very, very important reminders, you guys. So with that, Angelina, let people know where they can connect with you and C-Suite Coach after this episode. Absolutely. We have websites for both. I'm on all social as at Lena Darisaw, at C-Suite Coach. Um, www.csuitecoach.com is where you can look into our resources for your company. And if you reach out to us, we will send you information on how to build a business case with your employer to get free coaching. Oh, yes. (laughs) And with that, you guys, there you have it. All things will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much, Angelina, for being in the guest chair again and I'll talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And 
And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustleproco slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustleproco slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.